You're listening to the Weekend Collective Podcast from Newstalk ZB. Shifting to the National Party, who have promised to end an effective ban on gene editing and genetic modification. It's uh, got a new harnessing biotech policy, which is basically going to change the way we are... Um, the way we look at things, it's been a lot of, I think there's been a lot of uh, of, of pressure, or should I say, or willingness of, on the part of scientists to make a shift because we've been a bit hamped, hampered by our existing policy. Anyway, to discuss that right now is uh, Judith Collins, um, who joins us now. G'day, Judith. How are you? Well, hiya, Tim. <clears throat> I'm good apart from suffering from the end of a cold, so excuse me if I go a bit croaky. No problems. Um, now, t- the end of, um, w- what's wrong with the current situation? Oh look, we're just we're just so far behind when it comes to actually give, giving our farmers the tools they need to meet the climate change um, targets around emissions. But we're also so far behind when it comes to getting any uh, anything done in this area other than researching. We have researchers in New Zealand from one end of the country to the other. Um, we have seven different Crown Research Institutes. We've got eight universities, all of which do research. And then we have 18 different independent research uh, institutes. So we are we are researching everywhere. But what's happening is that nothing is then really able to move outside of the lab into a commercialisation space. So our excellent research ends up going offshore, being used by other countries to deal with things like climate change issues and obligations. And we end up not being able to deal with the waddling pines, even though we've got the research that tells us we can, if only we could use it. Uh, are there? I, I, I listened to Jack Times' interview with Christopher Luxon um, this morning, asking about the risks. Uh, are the, what are the risks that we would really need to be concerned about mitigating? Well, that's why we have the biotech regulator that we want to put in place. Um, there are very few risks on this, and there's been, Jack Tame was talking about something that apparently at some stage happened in Oregon in the US. Well, the US doesn't have a regulator on this, so um, they are generally unregulated, as are many other parts of the world, big producers of agricultural products when it comes to GE. We are not saying that. We're saying we want a very careful regulator, and one that actually knows its business, and um, that's why we'd want to have it as a specialist. So... There, there are there some apparently there are some people who think that there could be some cross pollination. Um, look, we looked at the evidence and we talked to the scientists here. They said they really haven't seen any fully documented, provable evidence of cross contamination. And that, and you know, in, like in California, we get a lot of product from them when it comes to things like mm. soy or wine or all sorts of things. Um, they don't have anything that stops people having um, gene-edited products or GMO, and and yet people buy that. They they, they don't end up with three years or anything like that. The fact is, you know, I've had people ask me, but what about if you eat a product with GM in it? And I said, well, basically, that's most of your soy products. Um, mm. So so nothing um, any more than. I mean, I really love eating lamb. Roast lamb is my favourite. Yeah. I don't end up becoming a sheep, do I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess that highlights uh, that, that a lot of this conversation needs to be had by the scientists, really. Yeah, exactly. Uh, how much, I mean, is the New Zealand scientific community fairly united on on the need for us to, to open, open our attitude to this stuff? Oh, yes, they are. So, Tim, I, I've only heard of one scientist who thinks something could go wrong. 
Um, and that's because, you know, that's because our law hasn't changed since, you know, for basically it's 1996 law and it got made even tighter in 2003 and science has moved on so far. So, yes, so we've got people like the Crown Research Institutes, the universities, we've got the private um, research institutes like Maligan Institute that's working on a vaccine for mm. cancer. Um, and I think that would be quite a good thing yeah. to have if we could get it out and about. Um, but also, you know, I, I just haven't seen anything where any industry or any sector has been so united as on this. And I've been all over the country in the last two years talking to them about things and said, well, what can we do on climate change? And they say, this is it. Yeah. What can we do on pollution? Oh, this is it. What can we do on, yeah. you know, conservation? Well, this is it. And that's it. Mm. That's you know we're saying let's not be silly, let's not be rash, let's be really careful because we're a cautious people. Yeah. Let's get a specialist bio, yeah. uh, biotech uh, regulator. Uh, obviously, you know we we take a certain pride in New Zealand about how smart our scientists are, and um, putting aside the the advances we could make that we could brag about it. What does it mean from a financial point of view, from an econ- economics point of view, for New Zealand? <laughs> Yeah, that is a really sensible question. Um, it is enormous benefit. So if you take a, a, a business like Lanza Tech, which is a New Zealand started business, New Zealand science, um, moved to the US in 2014. And one of the reasons they say is because of our restrictive laws. So what do they do? Well, they take pollutants basically out of smokestacks and they turn those into mm. completely biofuel. Low low emissions biofuel. We lost that. That's worth 1.4 billion US dollars. Oh, that's a you know. Can we afford to lose these? And the answer is no. And we have quite honestly, we are one of the most scienced up countries in the world with researchers. And we just need to commercialise a lot more of it and get that money back into New Zealand so we can have the healthcare and the education that we deserve. What about the emotional attachment we have to our GMO status and, and what is that worth to us? Because we would be giving that away, wouldn't we? Yeah, it's not worth much, really. Um, there's, you know, the thing is, it's entirely up to businesses what they do themselves. No one's asking, saying every farmer has to do anything. This would be any more than any other product like, you know, organics, for instance. Nobody's forcing people to go organic. So it's it's something that's a tool that's available and what it really means is that we can actually be more productive, yeah. more efficient, use fewer pesticides, not have to deal with possums. Imagine if we could sort out the possums. I mean, <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just, we, are, we have such great scientists, and I'm seeing them leave. I, mean, I was recently in Adelaide in South Australia. And, you know, it's not the biggest state in Australia, but by goodness, are they getting into biotech, and are they taking our scientists? Oh, yes, they are and the businesses. So we've just got to be really smart and understand we're in a competitive world and 20 years of science on this has changed a lot. Excellent. Well, hey, Judith, thanks very much for your time this afternoon and uh, this afternoon and good luck. Um, Thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, That is uh, Judith Collins. For more from the Weekend Collective, listen live to News Talk ZB weekends from 3pm or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio.